Cradleine Network. Hey, Fox, what's up? Ready to Whoa. start recording? Hey, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay All to right. start recording. What episode is this? You know, it's uh, in the 250s, but wait, oh no, what's this? Oh, we've oh, fallen. No. What's more, into a time warp no. to fall of 2016. No, hold me, and hold me tight. Oh, we gotta record our second episode again. Oh no, no, my God! But we did that already back when we had bad recording technology. No, listen. Now we're back in the past. Luckily, Whoa. we've retained our 2021 era recording gear and techniques, as well as knowledge of 15 years of 2000 AD. My so God, we can do this episode once again with that knowledge, and then go tell everyone we know to invest in Zoom and whatever else. <laughs> listen. Zoom is a thing, or Zoom. Zoom is a thing. Zoom is a thing also. Don't, Maybe don't more of a Zoom. thing in 2016 than it was in 2021. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right, let's go. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Borak, dog earthlets. Whoa. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This Hello. is the second episode of Space Spinner 2000. Welcome. A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one with the progs at a time. This episode, we're covering April 1977. We're still running with these initial thrills we had last week as Dread deals with robots. Mach 1 goes after some Nazis. The Flesh Boys are on an adventure. Invasion has Yeah. Invasion has fun, has fun with vehicles. And the Harlem heroes are off to Russia and Mexico as old enemies return. Harlem heroes. Harlem heroes. Heroes flying through the sky. Let's, let's get to this episode. No, that's terrible. Come on, guy. Doesn't rhyme at all. For real, though, Fox. Oh, uh, we did this. We did a time travel episode like this last April first, and I was really stoked to give it another shot this year. You know, it's so funny that we recorded that in March of 2020, so it feels like a time capsule in itself. I guess it's a beautiful like, thing. Right, right at the start of of. of of the quarantines and stuff like that for the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And now we're coming back to do another time travel episode seemingly with the light at the end of the tunnel for that particular thing. So crazy. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's so much I would tell past me about their current situation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up hope, buddy. Um, but it, it's also funny just coming back to these old shows, I guess, um, when I was really wanted to do things by month instead of by prog, which was a dumb, you know, <laughs> I, I learned better later. But it just be, it becomes this thing because it means that we, we, we'd we have these five prog episodes. Yeah. And it's not get, which is bad and which is too much <laughs> for one episode, honestly, in terms of both how much we have to read and how much we have to talk about. And ah. like, plus, rarely do people actually say like, oh, yeah, that was rarely do people remember the month that that a prog comes out in versus like what number the prog is, I guess. Yeah. Like, well, and I, I'd say like, uh, you know, going back through these again, everything's pretty beat, beat, beat. They give mm -hmm. they give some room for other things where that then means we've got a, you know, a particular thrill that's like three pages, four pages max. Mm hmm. 
So, yeah, like things move fairly quickly. uh, And I mean, they're fitting five of them in here. Six? No, six. Uh, six. Got, yeah, we got Excuse six. Me. Six thrills, uh, and uh, and we're about like, th- and we're I, th- I think we're about five pages shorter than we are in the early '90s, where we are in in our in our live recording. So there's a lot um, smashed into a very small space in the course of these of these. Um, of these progs and it's pretty it's a pretty interesting thing to see plus <laughs> we're still very yeah exactly yeah i mean while i feel like even in this early stage 2000 ad is not as dense as some of its contemporaries like oh, i feel yeah. like action i remember which will which we do do in i guess later episodes for episode two um but that's super dense where everything's three pages long, but feels like it's five or six pages, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it definitely, like, a, a lot of what I took away from this, because you know me, more text bad as opposed <laughs> to accurate text good and let me watch a thing. I mm-hmm. definitely was, again, just like, okay, I'm going to read all of this. I'm going to understand everything that's going on. And then I have to do a a review of everything that's going on visually. It's mm-hmm. busy, is what I'll say. Yeah. However, I mean, Bill Savage falling over and having a shotgun in his pants is pretty self-explanatory as to what's going yeah. on. It's <laughs> so. fine. You know, I, I also re-listened to our uh, previous episode, and I think definitely... Um, you know, it's interesting to see the sort of the style of how much we gl- how much I glossed over back then versus, um, I guess, the the r- relative completeness of my reviews now. I suppose, and oh, then sure. we're, we're very much still finding our feet. I think in terms of how this show is going to go I, in episode well, it was two. The Obviously, second it's, it's, it's episode. the second episode. Yeah, yeah, hard to blame us for like, sure. Listen, I like I, I was talking about flesh being like a a. a a, yeah, a death, death allegory. Yeah, yeah, whole thing. I mean, it still very is. very deep. I it still is. Uh, you know, like again, these there are things that stick with me. And going back through our second episode, Conrad, it's like I I was waiting for Mach One's racism, which like only it, it hit a little bit, right? A little bit. It's going to come next month. Oh, next yeah. month is when it is 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 when it gets started. But I mean the the top hits kept on hitting. I was actually, you know, and uh, like this isn't I don't think it'll surprise anyone. I, Judge Dredd's not going to be at my top. Mm. Like uh, intriguing. Just, be, just because like that during this period at the very least, yeah, some things happened, but like a lot of other shit's doing the, the like it's carrying the weight given what I know of the future. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, I feel like I talked about this a lot back in the day, actually, which is that more than these other ones, because I guess it's got much more more of a way to evolve. But Dreadfill is very formative. But that, let's talk yeah. about that as we get to it. Fox. All right, I don't that sounds good. Talk about these guys too much. Instead, I'll say, yeah, hope I'm, you know, just it's it's really fun just to, just getting through here, um, hang out with some old friends and oh, sampling God, some classic yeah. thrill power here. Oh God! If you want to. Read along with us. Uh, pretty much everything that we're reading has been collected. Um, you can find what we're talking about in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 1, the Invasion Collection, the Dan Dare, the 2000 Years, Volume 1, oh. the Fl- Flesh the Dino Files, Mach 1, Volume 1, and the Complete Harlem Heroes. Um, All worth record- getting. All of those yeah. are worth getting. 
Definitely. As we're recording this, Rebellion had a sale on it just because it was just there. Um, because in fact, of course, at the end of at the end of February, um, it's 2000 AD's birthday and stuff like that. But that's probably done by the time we're talking about this. But yeah, that's definitely. Still a happy all, birthday. Yeah, they're still there at least as digital versions. So definitely worth checking out. All right. Um, and I should say also, um, um, I really have to shout out uh, to uh, Barney at 2000AD.org. Oh, he right? Which is um, the uh, uh, two, which is the 2080 reference site basically, which um, has a ton of um, uh, pro- like, like prog breakdowns with um, who the writers and artists and often letterers are for all these thrills. Just because, especially in this era of 2080, they don't have credit cards, so it's hard to know what those things are if I feel you like- don't. Use that resource. Did, were we using Barney back in those episodes? No. Yeah, nope. no, we didn't find it until much later, right? Yeah, I mean, not, yeah, maybe not until like um, a couple episodes in, certainly. Like, I definitely, like, in the in the second episode, we definitely, I definitely talk about how, like, I don't know who these different artists are and stuff, and we don't, I don't have my current, um, like, credit setups the way that I will in the future. But I, I got them now, so we can keep doing that, which in turn means, Fox, let's get to it. Oh, hell yeah. And start talking about Thrill One Invasion. Oh, <laughs> it feels so good to hear it again. Yeah, it feels, feels good in the throat when you say it, Fox. Script robots, uh, Jerry Finley, Day, and Pat Mills. Art robots, Ian Kennedy, Sarampus, Mike Dory, and Carlos Pino. Letting robots, Bill Nuttall, and Jack Potter. All right, so Ian Kennedy starts us off on art here, Fox. It's 1999, and the evil Vulcan Empire has invaded England. <laughs> They're executing folks at on the grounds of Wembley Stadium. Now which known has as been, Victory Stadium. Yeah, although they don't mention the fact that it's actually been completely rebuilt since it was destroyed in the massive global floods in 1990, which we'll get to in a couple well, of episodes. You know. <laughs> But the, the yeah, they don't know they don't know what happened yet exactly. Um, and these ex- these executions are being broadcast on TV, and thus resistance leaders Bill Savage and Peter Silk see them and decide to do something about it. Yeah, man, they're real pissed about uh, about the prime yeah. minister and the and the TV reporter being super. Uh... Evil collaborators, yeah, buddy. No, Absolutely. They're, and, and as they're like shining their guns, basically. I love this, man. I miss yeah. it so much. <laughs> Keep them ready. So that night they go to a store and there's an oh. interesting thing at the storefronts. One's marked for Volgans only, yes. which is kind of interesting. I was going to say the same thing. This store for Volgans only. I'm like, I wow, guess- all right. People okay. who have who, who have um, officially left their old lives behind and embraced vulgarity, I guess. I, well, um, it's like so you have to imagine is it like if it's like selling paper or clothing or God only knows, right? It's like so you have to wait for the people with guns to show up, but these people literally just take whatever they want. So it's like, is yeah. it really a store at that point, or is it a place that, they, that I don't gets know. raided? Anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, because we see um, the resistance guys at this store. They've broken. They've you know burst through the window. They're taking a bunch of stuff. Vogan show up. They blast them. And the next day, Vogan soldiers are pulling people off the street to do reprisal executions for the and, deaths of those soldiers. Oh man, there's these like old people with canes and like a guy with yeah. a 
like a pram and a, an old a, man with crutches. Yeah, it's, like it's like oh, people. these these ones will do good for the execution because they're feeble. Yeah, and too pathetic to search. But at the stadium, Fox, as the execution begins, that old oh, man, man with crutches falls and revealed that it's Bill Savage with his shooter hidden in his man, pant leg. I'm going to be honest. I I don't know what would happen if you hid a shotgun in your pants and then shot it off near your foot. My Ooh, guess is not be warm. Gr- I'd well, imagine. Yeah. Like recoil like, alone amongst other things and like how that thing like smashes against your leg. All I'm saying is that Bill Savage is a savage man with a savage plan who apparently like just the thickest skin in all of the UK. <laughs> Drives around in a savage van. Oh, um. <laughs> But yeah, so listen, all of these would-be execution victims are mad dogs, which is the resistance group's name. They take, they kill all these Volgans, including Savage throws a knife at the arm of that dirty news host I, I collaborator. Do his wrist. Yeah. And thus, because they do all this on live TV, it brings hope to the city as they ride off in their Savage van with everyone singing You'll Never Walk Alone. Good times. I, I like how... Um I like how all of it. <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. Absolutely. So Pat Mills takes over on writing as a Sarampus goes on art at Paddington Station, where Vogans force Brits into old cattle wagon trains while they take luxurious passenger trains. Mind the These- gap. Yeah, these uh, Londoners being forced to move to Cardiff to do work in labor camps or something. Oh, um, meanwhile... The Volgans Field Marshal Zinsky's Jeep leads an armored column to a train crossing man. where the signal man <laughs> is Bill Savage. This is this is why you don't have like your general who can't get out of the actual car himself should not be leading in open air. Come on, who'd know this would happen? Savage manages to trick the general's jeep into going between the gates on this train tracks, the train crossing. So as the inner city express train arrives, and like you said, the general's too fat to get out of the jeep in time to save himself. Note to all of the children listening, this is why they have you do the calculation of if a train was leaving at this time. And a cordon of soldiers was leaving at this time and hitting the crossing. How quickly would they collide, etc.? Definitely. Yeah, the train hits the jeep and the marshal and derails, blowing up. Rebels rise up from nearby wheat fields, opening fire. And uh, soon the uh, the armored column is destroyed. But suddenly, Volgan spider, spider troops hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Spider soldiers. Yeah, spider with a Y. And there are these soldiers dangling from ropes <laughs> from the bottom of one of those, like, double um, rotored, like, uh, carrier helicopters, you know I what I'm talking really about? I feel that just makes you, like, a very vulnerable marionette. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, this doesn't seem like it's actually a good tactic, <laughs> but I don't know. 
<laughs> tellingly, I don't think it's ever actually been used in real life, but it is and cool. Tellingly, also, it just takes one rocket launcher to kill. Uh, well, that's, two, that's two birds with one rocket launcher. How's that? That's shot by Bill Savage, and he's got magic power, so it's not fair to <laughs> it's not fair to judge it by that. You know, yeah, because like you said, Savage brought a rocket launcher. He shoots one ch- ch- chopper, and it flies into another. The crew escapes, and later learns that the Vogans knew they were coming because there's a traitor. I Luckily, guess we they quickly have to. find out uh, yeah. for a reason. Like it doesn't matter. Also, they quickly don't find bring out. two helicopters to a fucking rocket launcher, <laughs> or at least fly further away from each other. Jesus, <laughs> the the, tra- the traitor's quickly found, and he'll get a fair trial. But there's only one sentence for traitors. I mean, he's gonna die. That's all. Like, yeah, <laughs> it seems so superfluous. Also, man, I know we're about to go into the next. Uh, the next, you know, mm-hmm. prog with this one. It's the one that I still remember because as soon as it got, as soon as I saw the new Concord Mark Three, I was yeah. like, I remember when my kid used to play with fucking things. Classic, then, classic character moment for Bill Savage. I absolutely. remember you talking about it, where it's like he played with cold. Cold fusion engines, but it's like, that's not how that works. Like, it it shot me into the past, much like how we are currently in the past. It was like, oh, God. Oh, Dad, I love playing with these aeroplanes, but this one's a cold fusion one, so you can't send heat sinking missiles. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Oh, you're, yeah, you, you, you blowing up my spot here, buddy. Yeah. Sorry. So, Jerry Findlay Day is writing and uh, Mike Dory's on art. It's summer 1999 as the Concord Mark III is parked at Heathrow as a line of double decker buses come heading toward it. The lead one driven by Bill Savage. <laughs> with, with children and mothers and grandparents. Yeah, they're full of, fu- full of people because I, I believe it's just, it's the families of all of these resistance yes, fighters. Yes, exactly. Basically. And he's just driving them right into enemy territory. Yeah, yeah. They're stopped by guards and the fighters on the bus just open fire. You'd think the lead bus would just have uh, the, the the soldiers in it or whatever, but right? no, nah, there's kids like, on there. Why would you um, put all the children with They blast their way through, making their way to the Concorde. The supersonic plane is loaded full of refugees. It's headed to Canada and safety. Yeah. And like this is this is the thing that comes back around later. I I like this whole bit. Yeah. The Concorde takes off, but Vogan jets are scrambled after it. Oh, damn. We're totally going to get shot out of the air by these jets. Silk calls Savage a swine for getting all their family members killed as the Vogan (sighs) shoot heat-seeking missiles at the Concorde. But... It's cold hydrogen (laughs) motors mean that the missiles start seeking the jets themselves. They turn all, they do a complete 180 and shoot the very jets that fired them. And I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't actually work, but whatever. (laughs) That's that's not how that works. And also they'd have not those missiles. Yeah. Yeah, no, they use some dumb fire ones or something, but whatever. Bill, oh, I learned about this from me dead son, Kelvin, always playing with toy planes, but then he was killed by a Vogan tank shell. I saved your families and me son's honor. (laughs) It's just so perfect because it's... It's this one panel like, this is how I know it's my dead son. We're moving on. That's right. Listen, we've got we've got frogmen to save and kill. 
Yeah, I love my dead plane loving son. Um, well, I should true. mention also the son being named Kelvin, probably a reference to two thousand to then two thousand eighty editor uh, Kelvin Goss. Now, oh, anyway, yeah. so uh, GFD and Carlos Pino are teaming up for this next story as we flash the early days of the invasion as the British fleet formally surrendered to the Volgans at the Scapa Flow and then were destroyed by them dirty Volgans. Such horrific things. Yeah. Let's Three send months some later, frogmen. Yeah, Bill Savage and Peter Soak are observing the flagship Volga coming down the Thames. Luckily, Peter is being visited by his old buddy Commander Jeff Craig and his frogmen, and they plan to scuba down and plant some limpet mines on the Volga. Sorry, you can't <laughs> go on mines. this one, Bill. You don't know how to scuba. Oh, you don't know how to scuba, so you're going to have to stay <laughs> landside as we... Go through the ocean and get totally fucked. I say, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, uh, th- they head out and Bill tells his dudes, just sort of, you know, stay frosty. This might not go all, all well. Yeah, indeed, no, I'm going to crane ready. Yeah, as the divers approach the ship, they're picked up by sensors and taken out by underwater sonic weapons. Only Silk survives this attack. But as the Vulcans pull Silk aboard for interrogation, Savage and his blokes are climbing aboard the uh, the Volga on anchors from these big cranes um, on the docks. They swing in on big chains, shoot up the joint, and luckily Savage also brought like 20 barrels of North Sea oil, which he jumped dumps oh down my God. one of the ship's <laughs> ventilators so that it kind of fills up the ship's air systems and then sets and then shoots the ga- shoots the oil to set it on fire and burns the ship from the inside out we've avenged the scapa flow listen man uh i guess they're on the hook tonight whoa i didn't i was so resonant i didn't even hear it I, they 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 like swung in with anchors and it's my favorite thing he says he's like you're on the hooks tonight, Volgs. Volgs, Volgs, fuck. Yeah. Listen, kill these Volgans. Good times. All right, so next, Eric Bradbury joins Jerry Finley Day as we see the Volgans have taken over Dartmoor Prison and turned it into a concentration camp complete with, like, you know, striped pajamas and skinny and people being de- de- deathly skinny. Showing and people bags of bones. You know. Yeah, prisoners escaping and being turned into bags of bones. But... Bill Savage and Peter Silk have been ordered to spring engineer Samuel Frost, who's being held prisoner there. So they're off. <laughs> A local resistance member tells them about rumors of more monsters as Savage camouflages him, you know, camouflages himself and their Range Rover to drive out and comes up blasting against a bunch of uh, prison guards. I, so the big thing here is that they've got infrared sensors, so they hide in inside of rocks? Uh, you know, we're sort of in pre-Predator days for infrared things, I think, in 1977. It, no one it, really knows. It's, it's just pretty, sort of magic. It's pretty rad. They all just jump out of rocks. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, rocks didn't see me now, bitch. I'm going to shock Rogue trooper you. style, you know. Exactly. They blast those guards, grab the engineer, run back to their Range Rover, but it's been smashed to pieces by terrifying wild dogs. Not dags. It's wild dog versus wild air dog. For, yeah, versus mad dog. That's oh, the name of their resistance. That gets dropped, so it's sort of it's it's hard to remember it. But in theory, it's Bill Savage of the Mad Dogs, basically. Hey, remember that one time that uh, 
that Sherlock Holmes had to deal with some dogs. Let's bring that back up. I guess so. And then this comic ends with a message using the secret decoder. Oh, uh, right. Oh, God. From Prague 3, which, um, and the message says, these are mutant dogs, specially bred by the Vulcans. If you meet any, retreat and report to field commander. Yeah, in other words, don't just hurt dogs because they're dogs. Savage will, in fact, hurt these dogs because they're dogs. Because that's what he does. <laughs> dog on dog violence. That's right. When yeah, will well, it end? It, it's like in an action movie when there's like a when there's like a, a a lady bad guy. She's there for the good guy's girlfriend to beat up. You know. Whatever. Oh yeah, bad guy versus girl, good girl guy. Kirk, fuck. All right. Next. Basically, yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, killing tons of animals, Fox. <laughs> Oh, let's Massacre. check out Thrill to Flesh. Some claw on claw action. That's right. Script robots Kelvin Gosnell and Ken Armstrong and Studio Giolitti. Art robots Roman Sola and Boy. Lettering ro- or art robots Roman Sola and Boy. Lettering robot Jack Potter, S. Richardson, and John Aldrich. Man, my favorite part is when the uh, the raptor starts breakdancing. My favorite part is when they eat that kid, but let's get to it. Well, um, okay. Yeah, no, sorry. I meant this specific thrill. Okay. Everyone's yeah. favorite part is when they eat that kid twice. Definitely. Yeah. So way back in dino t- in dinosaur times, the Transtron Corporation is harvesting dinosaurs for their sweet, sweet flesh. But yeah. a pack of them has attacked the domed Carver City. The evil claw Carver is now fighting for his life against some terrible claw dinosaurs, which we now call... real into it, like slobberingly. Definitely. Later, we'd call these Dionychuses. Now we'd call them uh, Velociraptors. He fights beside the heroic Earl Reagan, but there's bad blood between the two of them as we see that Earl's buddy Joe is revealed to have recovered from a dino bite. From the drunk doctor. Yeah, well, finally I, I'm saved glad someone. he didn't die. It's my first patient. Didn't die. But, but screw all that, because the actual hero of this story, old One-Eye, shows up to destroy <laughs> the town and kill one of her own sons that tries to take a bite at her. And I believe that this son, the, its body, will be cloned and then become the evil Satanus in Judge Dredd's time That's during the Cursed Earth. beautiful thing. Don't you check me, bro, because I'm eating this dude and I'm about to make sure that you pay for it because I... I don't care. I'm going to kill this cowboy. Yeah. The town burns as old One-Eye catches sight of Earl Reagan and Claw throws him right at the the hag T-Rex. I got to (laughs) go. Outside of Carver City, the rest of Earl Reagan's team radios in to see what they should do, but are ordered to return to Trans Time Base (laughs) by the giant-headed controller because you got to bring those dinosaurs back to get processed. Listen, we've really got to keep everybody here to keep processing this meat, and you got to get here so that we have some meat. I don't care about this guy. Just get here real fast. Uh, Standard standard horror movie stuff here, you know, where... um, you know, you got to not take into account what's actually happening. Meanwhile, down in the town, Earl finds a beam from oh, a destroyed man. building such and jams, a good it into, yeah, jams it into old One-Eye's jaws so she can't eat them and it's- distracting her until the toxic fumes of the plastic dome drive her insane. Yeah, no, they it blinds her into like, fuck my only one eye now. 
I don't yeah. know where anything is. So she just goes into a rage of just like biting and running. And I'm like, yeah, she Man, runs off, so eventually great. bumping into an Alamosaur and eating that, leaving the humans behind. Though they hate each other, Reagan and Carver have no choice but to team up because it seems like they got to walk their way back to the trans time base with no guns or vehicles, All just right. knives and hand claws. <sighs> Such a great thing. Now, now to the snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> yeah, because it's not just dinos in the <sighs> jungle. As one adventurer, uh, sorry, as they build a raft, one adventurer gets eaten by a giant prehistoric snake, thinking that it's some vines or something. Crush Reagan death, kills baby. the snake. Yeah, Reagan kills the snake with a sharpened stick, but it's too late. And now old One Eye has their scent. I'm gonna get you, and you're not paddling fast enough. What with your stick and sitch. Yeah, they hope to lose the T-Rex in the water, but like all dinosaurs, apparently, she's a good swimmer. Uh, Claw Carver tosses a red shirt into the water to keep old one eye busy. <laughs> and everyone's real mad about that red shirt dying and Claw Carver doing yeah. that. I'm kind of on Claw Car- Like, they're like, oh, we can't get fast enough, we're too heavy. And he's like, I've got the gumption to throw this man over. See, it's always a good plan until you realize that you could easily be the one shirt in that situation, but you got to well, be careful. Well, it certainly wasn't Claw, and it certainly wasn't uh, – what's his name? Yeah, Reagan. Yeah, Reagan, definitely. thank you. Anyway, he and Reagan fight about this until the raft is attacked by a Phobosuchus, oh, now called uh, Dionsuchus. But it's a big it's a big dino gator. Don't worry about it. <laughs> dino gator. Um, yeah, it and Old One Eye duel for a bit, but she's too soon triumphant because she's the best. Um, I mean, she just grabs make their way it through by the, the top of its mouth and then puts her giant claws on the bottom of its mouth and then rips it. Yeah. Old One Eye will fuck you up, buddy. She's the best. Oh, she's um, so great. Huge. With Old One Eye occupied, the cowpokes decided to lay a trap for her, setting up just quickly well, digging a pit and filling it with spikes. Like a bunch definitely of jerks. does, and everyone else is like, "But like, why?" <laughs> yeah, they do this really fast, and it seems like it works. Actually, soon the um, uh, the Tyrannosaur falls in. They got her, and they escape. And the final page is only half size as they do this. The rest taken up by an ad for <sighs> some big model planes by Humbro. All right. Woo, these planes. But then we get into the last two. Ah. And this, Fox, is, this is... Hold on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, later, a giant time train is rumbling through the uh, prehistoric landscape. It's a monorail, unlike the traditional one from uh, Indigo Prime Killing Time we'll talk about. <laughs> and it's got... Like a a cow, a dino puncher on the front, just oh, God, knocking I love it. these. So it's like punch, punch, punch. I'm gonna scream. Uh, what is it? Tyrannosaurus noises and things. I'm gonna push. Yeah, well, that's off not the just track. not just yet. Now it's just sort of knocking uh, Triceratops is off the monorail <laughs> yeah, track as it fuck goes. Off. Yeah, it seems pretty cool to me, but this little bitch kid Orville is not impressed by it. <laughs> Come on, Redenbacher, get the fuck out of here. He wanted to go to the moon, not the past, and his complaints earn him a slap in the face from his dad. Oh, like, and like a, it's a strike. It's a strike team of a mm-hmm. backhand. Yeah. Slick Parsons, tour uh, coupier, arrives to settle things down and takes Orville on a tour I of the train. Hate- Oh, I'll just take him up train as the kid, like, razzes his dad and goes up there and says, like, everything sucks until he can be violent against dinosaurs. This kid is a sociopath. 
Yeah. The kid keeps complaining and is brought to the cockpit where the engineer shows off a train whistle that sounds like an angry T-Rex. Not far off, the cowboys make their way through the jungle and hear that cry, and they think that's no good. They run to see that the train has stopped, letting passengers like go out and check out the prehistoric sites. And Earl runs over, tells them they gotta get out of here. So but when, naturally these Like when when a a cowboy whose job it is is to rustle up herbivores and like bring them to a flesh pit runs up to you grabs you by the collar and is like get the fuck out of here and you're like no oh no i'm not gonna do that that's uh no way that's not what you're we're just a crazy do. man. Yeah. I got tourist money to make. We got to keep these beaches open on Labor Day. It's the biggest weekend of the year, oh my you God. dummy. I love you. I love you Come so on. much for your Jaws reverence. Obviously, buddy. Come on, man. Amityville's perfectly safe. We got to make that money. Oh. Um, it, <laughs> meanwhile, the sound of this yeah. dino cry has enraged a dying old one eye. Like all females, she's pissed that another female has entered her territory. That's why you so don't enraged. use a lady scream. But that's the one that the other dinosaurs respond to, buddy. She pulls herself out of the spike tra- trap and comes looking for blood, seemingly summoning a couple other tyrannosauruses as she goes. I mean, she's got that. She's got that like latent ability. Yeah, definitely. Earl sees our hero just in time and rushes the tourists back onto the train, but Orville trips and falls on the way back and almost gets eaten, but gets saved, I guess. <sighs> well. Other T-Rexes also arrive, and on the roof of the train, Claw Carver gets on one of the train on one of the guns mounted on the roof. Exactly. Starts blasting away. Train takes off and they try to escape, but old one eye hits some rocks with her tail and causes an avalanche, which stops the train, and the hag T-Rex attacks it, and Orville is the first to be eaten. And it gets censored, but then in the exact next episode, it's like, nah, man, this kid's done. They definitely, I feel like between this Prague and Prague 8 in uh, in Dread, they definitely had some fun with this censored tag um, in the editorial <laughs> department. It's a child flying into the mouth of a giant Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> I'll mention, I don't, I, I believe they just sort of cut away when it, um, T-Rexes ate some kids in a later ABC Warriors story, but that's good enough for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, like, it. there are two shots. One of him in 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 uh, Prague 10. There's one of him flying through the air into the mouth of Old One-Eye. Oh, no, that's not that's not Orville. That's Tor, Tor Coupier uh, Slick Parsons. He not, gets... Uh, to, oh, you see him oh, flying yeah, through, yeah, yeah. flying down a T-Rex's gullet. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Joe Bron, Brontowski and Claw Carver shoot up these dinos from the train gun. Guns, uh, Reagan takes control of the train, blasts through those boulders on the track, and they manage to escape. Old One-Eye's so angry she has a heart attack, but... <laughs> and then just, just rips into her own flesh. She thinks the heart attack is someone attacking her, so she bites herself, which An manages to bring her out enemy, of it. enemy, as it says. It's very cool. She's full. Listen, I looked up and they say she's 120 years old. Most T-Rexes apparently live to be 30. So she's starting to feel her age at this point. <laughs> Just rips the flesh of her own chest away, screams, and then says, we're going this way. 
Yeah, that's the kind of rough, tough heroism and leadership you'd expect from I, the strongest female character in 15 years of 2018. Thank you. I, I was about to say, what else would maybe, we expect? Maybe 13 if you count some of the more recent Anderson stuff, but still, Fox. I, she's still. awesome. She's like, no, I'll have none of your bullshit. You came into my place, fucked up my things, fucked up my yeah. ecosystem. I have all. one eye. And I am I am a woman who's going to reckon. Gonna, I'm going to unite the tribes and lead a dinosaur army. I will kill my take own you out. sons because yeah, I'm, no one can get my I'm way. done, son. Yeah. So the train comes smashing into Trans Time She's HQ. Lannister of the dinosaurs. Yeah. The remaining tourists are all saved as Carver asks for donate um as Carver asks him for donations for saving them. Reagan's worried about these dinosaurs. It seems like these predators have been driven mad by a lack of food. And a final reckoning between man and beast must be on the horizon. Next time oh, on Flesh, the siege of the Trans Time base. Conrad, I cannot explain more thoroughly how excited I am for when we do this because future <laughs> me won't remember everything that we've done here but I will be experiencing the flesh dozers you know yeah the spiders oh man oh my god it's gonna get so good it's gonna get so viscerally good definitely yeah very excited love and flesh this one's a always a great one to come back to I, like, definitely I'm, I, I'm never upset with flesh conrad it's hard not to be especially these these first two uh flesh books are really great definitely and speaking of great stuff in the past fox i think something we talked about um before this show extensively like, heroes. like this is a yeah just a great thing let's talk about thrill three harlem heroes all right, Harlem Heroes, script robot Tom Tully, art robot Dave Givens, lettering robot Dave Givens, to check Dave. <laughs> Some really amazing art. We start off here as we see the mighty transatlantic tunnel, multi-story, pretty dang awesome. It's mentioned work began really cool. in 2010, finished 2050. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen yet. <laughs> but yeah, I love this. There's so much detail, all the little like uh all the little vehicles driving across it and stuff I, like that. I love the guys in the bottom left who are on like the little like hoverboards, like jet boards, like yeah, going definitely. going down between because it gives you like this sense of scale because while they're larger and you look at the 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 stuff in the background, like the Harlem Heroes like super wagon or whatever it's called, mm -hmm. you know how large that is? Like it's real it's, big. It's well, it's multi-leveled, multi-faceted. It has its own court, like all this stuff. I mean, the thing is, it's it, it, what I love is that, like the top of the ocean, you can see it because that's how big this bastard is. Definitely, yeah, and I'll say that also, this uh, tunnel is part of the uh, of this shared world. Um, you know, Harlem Heroes, of course, sort of takes place maybe like 60 years before Judge Dredd and this mm – -hmm. um, or the start of Judge Dredd, I should say. Maybe actually 40 years from the start of and Judge Dredd. And not the extended but, universe that we hate. But the uh, the giant – this giant tunnel is definitely part of Dredd's world and something exactly. that he's taken I'm, several times to get to I, England yeah, and I mean, stuff. he had to get there to get to, to Ireland. It's true. Definitely. Okay. So, but the but the heroes, they're checking out the amenities of their sweet new hover liner as they get ready for their next opponent, the Siberian Wolves, as Brain Najar teammate Lewis continues to theorize that their previous team bus was sabotaged. 
The team soon arrives, the onion-domed Palace of Aeroball in Moscow. There's a sign on the front of it that I spent way too long trying to translate, Fox. You know, you could have just asked my wife to read it, right? Oh, no, I did not. I forgot about that. I know the first word is space, and the second word, I believe, is not a word, but it translates phonetically to, like, stavchum, so I believe it's just trying to phonetically spell stadium. stadium. So space stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Russian team is apparently mysterious. The 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 Ruskies just joined the Aeroball League a couple well, we years do ago. Know they're called the Siberian Wolves. <laughs> That's right. And they come flying out wearing furs and a lot of like hammer and sickle and uh, communist imagery. Also, I mean, wow, uh, what they thought it would be like. But yeah. uh, but also, you know, everybody being named Boris. Yeah, it's, there's like uh, 30 of them. The, the announcer can't tell them apart, so he just calls them all Boris, numbering them. They clearly have a high-intensity style. They're trying to – they're taking the heroes out and taking themselves out in the process as well. Yeah, it doesn't matter because there's more of them, right? You're a replaceable yeah. part. Get it? Whoa, communism. The So the game turns into a brawl as the wharves score, but the scoring player gets zapped by the score tank circuits and he's off I, like, to the hospital. I, it feels almost purposeful. It's like, yeah. who gives a shit? Because it's Sta- sort of a, the arrow. Yeah, the arrow ball equivalent of killing one of your own guys to show you're serious, basically. Uh, back with the ball, hero Zack makes a move on the ground, dodging an afterburning, a ru- uh, 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 dive bombing Russian, then dodging more with his sweet afterburners, a quick pass to Slim, and the heroes have, have equalized. Listen, Things- the wolves are fast and full of guts, but do their thinking with their butts. Oh, no. Things are looking funky in a good way, apparently, when suddenly Giant's jetpack goes haywire. He's got to bail out before he hits the roof. But now he's going to fall to his death. Uh, Lou, Louis. Ah, uh, damn. Listen, oh, We've y'all, it's sabotaged. the sabotage. <laughs> As he falls, Giant grabs a passing wolf and rides him, grabs the ball from another wolf with his feet, and manages to score an airstrike before Slim finally arrives to carry him to safety. Hey, listen, There's- Slim for the save. And yeah. that, what I love is that the referee is like, no, I'll allow it. I'm like, what? Yeah, why not? Well, because I, I, well, so this is what I'm thinking. You'll allow a score after a man shoves his hand in the thing and dies. Like, what won't you allow? I mean, you know, there's no rules in, you know. It feels <laughs> like there, there, if you have a referee in a, a stupid space capsule floaty bubble, there are rules. Right? I feel like most the referee's mostly there to call timeouts to pull bodies off the floor, basically. Because Aeroball's pretty much like Outback Steakhouse, buddy. No rules, just right. That's how it goes. (laughs) No rules, just bloomin' onion. All right? Exactly. So uh, there's a timeout as Giant gets a new jetpack, and the team discusses this sabotage. Yeah. Well, they discuss it like it was sabotaged. They're like, yep, let's keep going. Seems like it. Yeah. The Russians are swarming the hero's zone, but their aggressive posture opens them up to counterattacks, and the heroes score once more, winning the game three to one. Afterwards... They learned there was no real problem with Giants Pack. It's mysterious somehow. Oh. And uh, speaking of mysterious, in Mega City One, some Meh. masked doctors. 
activate a man named Gruber. He's been in a coma since an arrow ball match against the heroes three years ago, but now he's an eight million dollar cyborg and awake. Kill the heroes, Gruber. Get to Nakatomi Tower and make them pay. Exactly. (laughs) Eight million dollars price tag's gone up. At least two more million dollars since the 70s for cyborgs. I'm a $10 million cyborg with crossover potential. Whoa. (laughs) Artie Gruber comes storming out of the laboratory. There's wires still attached to him. He just bursts through a second story window and onto the street. Running straight for the heroes. If I was a cyborg, I would do all of the things. Doesn't care. He just goes in a straight line. Meanwhile, the heroes themselves are enjoying a hero's welcome at a massive parade in Harlem, provided by slimy billionaire sponsor of the team, Ulysses Court. I don't trust that guy. Hey, listen, I totally bought these children their packs, and I'm saying this in front of a large audience. All of you can believe me. Enjoy my America-themed clothing. I... He loves I the actually, heroes. I actually do. I love it lie. too. Yeah, no, it's good. And has a big bet on them to win against the Montezuma's Mashers in their next game. Well, he says that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's with a bookie. Bookies don't yeah. go on Facebook and is like, hey, do you know that like this guy who owns uh, like Trivy Television? Like what? No, it's a bookie. Like he's just saying out loud that he's doing illegal betting. <laughs> Yeah, listen, if I was super rich, I listen, if I was a billionaire, I would talk about how I'm above the law all the time, Fox. I'd love Well, I'd, I mean, they already do. Real so. crazy about it. Um, so we cut to the stepped pyramid stadium of the Mashers full of fashy high fashion types in gold I, Aztec themed protective I, wear. I have a question for you. Yo. Right? Yeah. So it's Cyrus Tea Garden. Yeah, he's like the owner of the of the Mashers, I guess. So uh, there is a place in Berlin called the Tiergarten, mm-hmm. and it's spelt nearly the same way. They just don't have an R or an I in place of an E. So here is my question: Does a German person own a Mexican team, well, or rather, a South American team? I should be. Well, he's he's a rich landowner, and I, from what I could see, it seems like he likes Aeroball. And there just happened to be an ancient Aztec temple on his land. So that's, <laughs> that's why it's themed that, that There way. just happens to be one of the few ancient Aztec temples. Yeah, listen, I was surprised. You know, that's why you got to hunt around. You know, I want, I opened this door of the basement. There's a whole other house down there. It's crazy. I, I, I'll say that in, in the distance of the temple, you can actually see, um, I always forget the name of it. It's that uh, smokestack tabletop mountain so it's like a tabletop steep drop off and then a smokestack that's flat i don't know chimney rock chimney the rock. there we go yeah, yeah. so chimney ah. rock is in the background of this thing so it's actually in the u.s yeah, it's all gonna get blown up and become the cursed earth someday so don't worry about you it know too what? much i think you know, you're, you're so right <laughs> oh man all right so Hidden among these fancy uh, gold types, though, is Artie Gruber himself. I'm going to get you, giant, with my flame gun, I guess. Yeah, the mashers fly out in fancy clothes, and the game's about to commence as Gruber assembles a laser sniper rifle from inside his coat and prepares to fire. I was wearing a mask before, but in this shot, I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. 
Gruber takes aim at Giant, but suddenly a Mashers player flies in front of him and he gets shot instead. The the shot, it, it, it like some shrapnel or something bounces off of Giant's helmet as the Aztec player falls into the crowd, taking out a bunch of folks. I'm really glad the- no one noticed that I shot this gun that's full of flames at that backpack and I could go somewhere <laughs> After he fired, he put his he put his he put his disguise back on. You know that's how you <laughs> trick everyone around you who's having some booze in the audience. Yeah, giant shook up, but play resumes as Gruber disappears back into the crowd. The heroes score and form their H victory pose as Artie takes another takes aim again, but is jostled by the crowd this time when he fires. Giant sees him this time and like, zooms toward the shooter, kicking him right in the face. He does it literally again at a different place. Also, watch us dive and soar and spin. We're the guys who play to win. Absolutely. Gruber makes a break for it, and Giant can't risk flying into the crowd and hitting him all with jet wash, basically. But they, the heroes do seem to have Gruber cornered in the masher's pit. They got him now. Don't miss the hero's next thrilling bout. Order your copy now. Don't miss out. Man, I miss these so much. <laughs> Real fun. You know, again, sports comics, very <sighs> much an unknown thing. It's something that's fallen out of favor Within ni- early 90s, 2000 AD as well. This is interest, you know, for having these different sci-fi teams with different themes and stuff like that. And then having the plot play out with this background of we got to keep winning games. We got to sort of keep scoring points and stuff like that. So I, I had to recently explain what Harlem Heroes was. And when I did... <clears throat> The person who I was telling it to was like, well, that just sounds like a sports comic with people shooting at them. And I'm like, look, yeah, it's like you've played Super Mario before, right? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, have you played Mario Golf or Mario Tennis or Mario Kart or Mario this? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've played some of those. And I'm like, those are sports games, right? Like, yeah. Why'd you like them? Because they were sports and Mario. Is generally the answer I get. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way I feel about like sci-fi and sports. It's like sports but sci-fi. Uh and and you can do so much with it. Also, yeah. apparently you can just have a, a bionic man named Gruber try and shoot the shit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean I think this is it is very much sort of bringing in like standard sports comic stuff to a sci-fi setting. I mean, Tom Tully is a long-time Roy of the Rovers guy, so he's very much adapting oh, some of these right. concepts to um, to this sci-fi setting. But I think it blends together pretty well, actually. And I, yes. um, I again, like, I think this is a really fun mashup and something that makes it very, like, between that and the pre- and, like, you know, the all uh, African-American main cast and stuff like that. I think both of these really make Harlem Heroes feel like something very unique and special and different yes. in this uh, comic. I, I There are definitely some things that I feel like uh, are a little bit token, right? Like the rhyming and, and all of that. Like, absolutely, I could understand his token. Yeah, that um, feels very 1977. Yeah, definitely. of course. H- however... Um, these all of the characters there is not a singular character at least in the original harlem heroes as heroes that are white no i mean even uh like U- ulysses cord is uh is uh, is, exactly. is black it's well, the whole thing 
and let's not spoil that for our future past audiences. Yeah, but but um, but I think it's um, yeah. I mean, I think it is really cool. I really like this sort of the, the commitment to having to to having it be that way. Definitely. See, this um, is this is exactly as I was talking about when we were first getting together. It's I would love to see a Harlem Heroes and now and have that work into in some way some judge dread thing that seems completely apropos right yeah i mean yeah there's definitely def all this room for adaption and cool stuff these days I, if, I, if, I love, if they only had the will fox <laughs> i well yeah no i just i just never want to stop talking about harlem heroes because it's something i miss you know mm, what i mean like yeah. even 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 inferno <laughs> Which goes well, very I mean, multi-culty, but at the very least, it's like it's still got the same the same juice. Yeah, I mean, I'll say definitely that to me, I I really like these old Harlem Heroes stories for sure, and it is definitely one of those things that makes the new Harlem Heroes such a slap in the face. I I don't for the for the record, there is no know? new Harlem Heroes. I don't know what you're That's talking extreme. about extremely fair fox and speaking of things that are fair let's talk about non-thrills covers and nerve centers hey why not should say big innovation from original versions of this of this show to new to um more current ones is at some point i started putting these in the middle of the show instead of at the start which i think is a better spot for it yeah i agree so let's get started with Prague 6. Don't live in the past. Read 2000 AD. As Mike Dory draws Mach 1 being menaced by underwater SS skeletons we gotta with a do pile of Nazi something. golds. We got to do something with this stamped gold, bro. They're SSSs, They're SS skeletons. No, well, like SS. These SS are F. There we go. Exactly. We're still in the early days of the Prague, of course, so Tharg is asking for letters, offering pounds and groats to get them. Hey. He's also freaking out ladies on the street, and you can order 122 different stamps for free and get a complete stamp collector's outfit. Rad. The prog ends with a diagram of the Harlem Heroes superliner, and for once, I feel like this thing's actually pretty well proportioned in terms of, like, having bedrooms and bathrooms as well as, like, training areas and things like that. You mean instead of a missile silo that just says like tanks, 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 and there's here's the little room for the barracks? There was an elevator for the tanks, buddy. It was awesome. <laughs> Prog seven, Massimo Bellardinelli draws a massive Dan Dare battle scene. The biogs are on a rampage for their made fuel supply. They're Earth sucking men. us up with their like naval mouth. It's real gross. <laughs> Given kid. Giving kids fetishes or something uh, like hey, that. Listen, we all had them already. Mid, yeah, mid prog. There's an ad for various Doctor Who action games now free in Weetabix. Um, only uh -oh. a real teeny tiny nerve center this time at the end of Dan Dare as Tharg once more requests letters and stuff, and you can get take a stamp quiz and get 44 animal and bird stamps for free. Bad. I love birds. Yeah, birdie, birdie, birdie. I mean, they aren't real, but they are fun. <laughs> That's some fine birds right there, boy. Government surveillance projects. No bird existed before in the 1960s. The prog ends with an ad wow. by Kev O'Neill for the start of the flesh card game. Roar! And I should say, Fox. Yell! Yeah. All these card games are pretty standard at the launch of new British comics. Mm. Um, I feel like... 
in the course of reading Brit comics, I've seen sort of issue seven to ten have like board games and card games like this. Yeah, it's as well. like things- stuff you can do with the thing you have. And very much also something that comes out over the course of like four or five weeks. So you have to buy every issue so you can cut it up to get the pieces, sort of a, you know, readership capture, that kind of stuff. Um, episode, uh, Prog 8, it's boys' turn to do some battle scenes as the cowboys fight dinosaurs. And we learn pew, there's pew. eight full color monster picks this prog. Oh, dag, I'm going to get some cards to play that game, everybody said. Yeah, mid-issue, Tharg is hanging out with a bunch of aliens, apparently all suggested by readers who won two pounds for their trouble. Some pretty fun alien mod designs in here. I like this dude has got that's got big bug eyes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the nerve center, letters have at last arrived. There's a picture of a fighting robot with tank treads and a rifle, and letters from a kid who's seen a UFO, another one who thinks Doctor Who is rubbish, and Tharg suggests checking out this new movie called Star Wars in a couple months. Man, and there's I, the, it's three letters. Well, four, technically. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, they're all pretty uh, short, though. One says, um, basically talks about um, his like dad being into Dan D- Dare, which leads to a tease of the return of the Mekon. The prog ends with the first eight flesh cards with a bunch Cut of sweet dinosaurs out. picks. Like, including... Destroy your, your yeah. literal history. It's fine. Who cares about the last page of Dread? Get it up there. Um, one of the dinosaurs is a composmethag, is a composmethagmus, which has flipper hands. Yeah, Yeah, flipper flipper hands dinosaur. That's not what they actually look like, for the record. But it might have been a weird thing going on. I like that it's bird legs, but flipper hands. I'm like, well, what's the fucking point? Best of both worlds. Frog nine. Goodbye, giant. Dave Gibbons draws Artie Gruber taking aim in this very well remembered cover. I feel like this one shows up a lot. I'm gonna get you, giant. Feel like this cyborg Gruber lives in the um, terrified memories of a lot of (laughs) then eight year olds, now sixty year olds. I'll be quite (laughs) frank. There is one image of this man. That I very frankly remember that is not this one. <laughs> well, no, that one's an inferno. But listen, we can't. Get, we we got to keep going. I you know. You can't. Don't spoil people too much, Fox. Come on. Um, um, Mid prog, there's an ad for Corgi for a bunch of bat, uh, model Batman vehicles. Oh, yeah. Mobile, copter, boat, whatever you want. We got, and this is based on the on the TV show uh, Batman, of course. The prog ends with um, dino cards, including Earl Reagan, some pterodons, and various other kind of minor dinosaurs. Earl Reagan looking very good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm like, all right, guys. Definitely. Steal, I guess. really like this styracosaur that's just biting a palm tree in oh, half yeah, as well. That's, that's a pretty boss. <laughs> I forgot about the tree bite. Biting that tree. Prog 10. The robot's revolt has, re- has begun. As a headless call me Kenneth hits Dread with a chainsaw drawn by Carlos Goddamn Ascara. There's also <laughs> a teaser for the new Dan Dare. He's a fight in a dang Star War. Whoa. All right, there. Mid issue, there's a reader graph of various sci fi vehicles suggested suggested by readers, but I'll assume actually drawn by an art droid. Probably Kev O'Neill. I, I believe all this. I said this in the past because as soon as I saw it, I knew that I loved it. I love anything that's an egg with legs. 
Yeah, just this one. Yeah, there's a bunch of different vehicles. I think one's a VW Bug with like a fan on the roof. Um, but there's one that's that's just a van with giant like legs coming out the sides. <laughs> Pretty solid. It's fucking great. Anytime that Space Age is just add very long legs to it, I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Definitely. All these kids, um, oh, sorry, Tharg makes fun of all these designs, but everybody gets two pounds, so it's fine. Later, there's yeah. a nerve center with hopeful letters about embracing green energy to avoid catastrophe. Wouldn't that predictions, be nice? Nah, whatever. Who cares? Um, there's also <laughs> predictions that a UFO office will be started and we'll get some hover cars. I'd Tharg be down for wants, hover cars. I'm still down. I feel like there's just – people seem to have enough problems with two dimensions, Fox, without adding in a third one. I'm you know? not – well, I mean, then you just add in Tesla hover cars. You don't I'm just drive saying, in three dimensions. I, oh, yeah. yeah does. That doesn't – that sounds – based on how good <laughs> self-driving cars are, that sounds even worse, Fox. Oh, I mean, we'll I'm to, not buying the first one. We live in a world where, where all of our houses have to be painted a certain color so that the cars can see where the house is, you know? I mean, well, that's why you have capture images. I don't want to identify buildings, Fox. That's so annoying. I just so want annoying. to live anyway. inside of my cilia anyway, so let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, Tharg also just gives some prompts for what people should talk about in terms of guessing what the future will be, what the house of the future will be like, what the planes will be like in 2008, in the year 2000. This seat is too warm, steepy. That's the house of the future. Definitely. I also ask what uh, people will watch on TV in the year 2000. Um, I myself was watching a lot of Futurama and trying to convince everyone else to watch Sports Night, but no one did. Oh, uh, man. And the prog ends with more dino cards, including Claw Carver and a boneheaded dinosaur, which is a uh, Pachycephalophosaurus. Also, there's <laughs> brontosauruses, which have this giraffe stripes for some reason. They call it a boneheaded. That's right, you bonehead. No, it's it. It's just the stupidest dinosaur. That's the problem. They headbutt each other. It's sweet. And hey, speaking of they two big personalities butting, speaking of two big personalities butting heads, Fox. Uh? Let's talk about Thrill Four. Dan Dare. Script robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Jack Potter, and Peter Knight. I am so happy. Because where we are currently, we were kind of giving a chef's kiss goodbye to this <laughs> artist. And now yeah, we're true. dipping back into the psychedelia that is the spaghetti freak. Yeah, we're going back to this kind of peak Bell Ardinelli period for sure. No, so, let me last... let me just have an entire like a quarter of the page that's just white, blue, red, and black. And literally 90% of the page is white and blue. Yeah, live it up. So last time, an alien weird dude took Dr. Ziggy's, Ziggy Stardust hostage. No, Ziggy Rodan, I should say. Hostage on the Odyssey, the, the spaceship Odyssey's command bubble. And now it's using that command bubble to destroy anyone that comes too close. Just burn them to ash, basically. <clears throat> Let's get back to that planet Jupiter where you're kind of screwed because you're in the belly of a like an alien thing that just sphinctered you up and is going to sphincter you out. Yeah, Dan Dare and Commander Monday are being flown to an alien base in a creature's belly, Cobra Law style, if you're into that uh, G.I. Joe stuff. <clears throat> when they arrive, they get grossly popped out of that <laughs> being and sphinctered. are confronted. 
Yeah, by Moralian dudes, they call themselves the shepherds of the biogs, which are these giant life forms that consume life energy for food. Listen, we're going to put you into a stew. You're going to get in that stew. You're going to get dissolved, and then you're going to feed the mother biog. Definitely, yeah. Not all that complicated. Just, you know, dissolve, idiot. Yeah. Come on. They need to expand and eat new planets, and Earth is next. But Dare isn't into that, so it's time to fight. He takes a couple out, but is beaten up by the living axe of the shepherd leader, which is Drocket, which is would be a will become a dread term, but is now just a thing that Dan Dare says. Until at least Monday intervenes and stabs that shepherd from behind. Let's kill these aliens. And let me pick up this living axe. And yeah, I, I guess, like, punch it into submission? Yeah, he stands on it and basically, through sheer force of will, tames the living axe. And Darren Monday head out, finding the massive mother biog already eaten one human. And now it's after the rest. Some shepherd gu- shepherd guards try to stop our hero, but they're no match for dad axe. <laughs> nor is the mother biog. Ain't, ain't gonna goo me, babe. Mm-mm. Ain't gonna goo the me. Mother's- yeah, the mother starts to die as the humans go to escape, leading to some axe versus axe action as they make their way back to their ship and escape the surface of Jupiter. Usually go- you have to go to, like, Pornhub for some axe on axe action. Ah, <laughs> that's where that's where I hang out. Um, they try to go back to the Odyssey, but instead only they see that that ship is dwarfed and about that to be ship eaten has- by a massive biog living starship. Because that ship has sailed. <laughs> I should say, actually, very Oof. similar, like, like even though it's not out yet, we are seeing some Star Wars inspiration here on Dan Dare, as this feels very similar to the opening scene of of, uh, of A New Hope, with just the one giant starship oh, yeah. dwarfing no, it, the it other starship. It wants to engulf you in its orifice, much That's like right. a Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, eat you up. Uh, the mm, why don't ship- you get inside of my body so Darth Vader can ask you some questions? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, the Biog ship, big mushroom star destroyer. It's trying to eat the Odyssey as Darren Friday look on. The ship gets swallowed as Ziggy Rodan grabs that shepherd alien's antenna, incapacitating it. I and love takes control that. of the ship itself. The the thing is, is that if if you see an alien with some uh, protruding antennae, just mm-hmm. grab your hands around the stocks, and that's how you know you're there's a very real chance it'll take it out you know i don't yeah, know that's how they see man yeah. she closes the airlocks of the ship to keep the biogs out but the ship's still being eaten by on from from the outside by them <laughs> over objections by red shirts darren friday dive bomb into the biog ship looking for the odyssey but instead they get bubbled by weird biofluid and taken to the heart of the biog ship yeah, you got to go through the veins and then hear yeah. the the pains of the the brain ship telling yeah. you not to do things, I guess. But they yeah, dare- they only they only know brain text. They don't know literal whisper text. No. Dare talks to the <laughs> talks tough to the psychic ship's heart. It makes him feel massive pain and then tries to bargain with them. It'll give him everlasting life if they allow the ship to eat the inside of the Odyssey and everyone aboard. Monday is skeptical, but Dare has gone mad and attacks Monday, agreeing to help the Biogs. No, I'm totally gonna do it, bro. Hey, I'm not gonna do it, bro. 
Yeah, Dare goes to betray his buddies, but Monday grabs him in the Martian Deathlock, which seems to be just kind of putting your hands on somebody's shoulders. Um, <laughs> in the fight, they touch helmets and yes! speak quietly, yes! to uh, which allows da- Dare to explain that it's all a ruse, so Monday quickly surrenders, and the mind of the ship orders them up to the Odyssey. Listen, bro, Meanwhile, if you and I touch helmets, there's an intimate interaction <laughs> Well, like my okay, Fox. Here's here's I, I a hope cipher. you got my my not subtext there. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I I'm just want to say there is kind of a sci-fi concept. I've seen this in. Um, I think I learned this in Have Space Who Will Travel by by Robert Heinlein, where basically. Um, you got a you got a spacesuit, and when you talk out loud in the spacesuit, you're talking through like a uh, microphone that goes to a loudspeaker that comes out of your suit. Yeah, okay? that other people then hear as a radio transmission in their own helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're broadcasting it and stuff. But if you touch it, if your if your helmet touches someone else, <laughs> someone else's. Then you can talk to them through by like shouting and it vibrates the helmet and the vibrations of the sound then go into the other person's helmet so they can hear you, but it does get picked up by radio waves. Listen, if there's one thing I know, it's that if our helmets touch, there needs to be vibration. Hey, when that sometimes when our helmets touch, the the honesty is too much, Fox. Oh, 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 oh. I love that. Sometimes when helmets touch. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, um, I, I love going through this old stuff with you, Conrad. So um, anyway, they all agree <laughs> to go to the Odyssey. Meanwhile, the ship itself is under constant attack by, as acting commander Mr. Milton gets healed by Ziggy Rodan. Yay. DD radios in. Dan Dare tells him to feed all power into the ship motors, which then heats up the exterior of the ship to incredible heat. Dare, Monday, and the red shirts pile aboard as this extreme heat burns the Odyssey out of the belly of the Biog ship. Seemingly destroying it. The Odyssey is in a bad way when su- and the human fleet has arrived, but sadly, so has a massive Biog uh, fleet. It's going to be the biggest battle ever. Dip! We're going to have to deal <laughs> with a bunch of bionic uh, ships trying to sphincter and suck up our other ships. Biogic ships? That's true. Yeah. There's a pretty awesome full page, full color battle scene here in Prague 10 as Biog and Earth Forces clash. Biogs are. God, I love Bellard Dinelli's art here. Definitely. Just the way he draws these weird organic Biog ships. color. Like, this is is a a taste platter of what you're going to get later. Yeah. And then these, like, blocky, like, high tech um, human ships and stuff. It's (sighs) cool. But the Biogs are better. They're. Picking up the moons of Jupiter and throwing them at the forces of Earth, destroying most of the yes! fleet. Yes! It's effective, is the literal yeah. quote. It's effective. <laughs> Pokemon, yeah, I guess uh, I guess these human Fuck ships I. are air type because a rock type attack is super effective. <laughs> that might be wrong. I don't know what's weak to rock. I forget. I'm sorry, everybody. I um, love it. I love it. The Odyssey's almost destroyed, too. A slime attack has killed much of the crew. We see kind of 
Monday and the Monday Dare and Rodan in the cockpit surrounded by uh, by a skeletons basically. Oh no! And then they have a uh, let's who's gonna die off. Yeah, but yeah, basically they have a quick argument and Dare uh, manages to convince Monday to stay with the ship as he and some, against some red shirts head down to get on the Kamikaze craft Quite hidden in the bottom of the Odyssey. Like, he's like, hey, hey, stay on the craft because the captain stays with the ship, but you're not gonna die. I'm not going to go down with the ship or anything, but, like, whatever. And then he just literally goes down with the ship. Yeah. But so, basically, it seems like these kamikaze ships are super fast. They've got powerful tachyon torpedoes. Oh, yeah, that make, like, a a giant, you're going to an an alternate universe. Exactly, yeah. Explosion? Yeah, but you, they're, it's hard to escape the blast radius. It so anyway, feels Dan like heads a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like, hey, you're not here anymore. You're somewhere else. Yeah, it's not my problem. Um, <laughs> Dare fires the missile, barely avoids the blast wave, <laughs> sends the biogs to an alternate universe. I, I, I'll mention, um, I don't know if you remember this, Fox, dear, um, later in, in, in Judge Dredd during the Apocalypse War, the uh, 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 East Meg One has an energy shield that protects it from the um, from Mega City One's missiles by also oh. sending those missiles to an alternate reality yeah, that's where they blow right. up a planet that's only known peace and happiness. No, there's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of bunnies and shit hopping around, and people just like, "Hey, things are pretty great." Oh wait! All of these massive super warheads that you've made are now bearing down. <laughs> That's right. It's pretty solid. I, I'll be honest. Not your time continuum. So, I mean, yeah. Come on. I, whatever. It really, it really just says that peace doesn't protect you from alternate realities. No. Yeah. There's always something over the next hill or the next reality, Fox. <laughs> um. <laughs> but there's more biogs still on their way, and uh, Dan and uh, Dan Dare's out of option. But Commander Monday isn't. He tells Dan he's gone for death or glory, leading the biogs on a final trip, the Sun Trip. Listen, Next time, the terrifying death of Monday. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen to him, and who's going to win <laughs> the whole "I'm not going to die" or "I'm going to die, you're not going to die." Uh, edge off like the they're edge lording each other what you think this isn't dan's this isn't dare's plan from the start he did I, he, well so this isn't his attempt to, to manipulate monday into killing himself it, it for the is, final thing it look you're you're the guy who says it's not subtext it's just text he literally tells monday like you're the captain you need to stay on the ship that's totally whatever yeah. and i'm like dan <laughs> No, no, in-depth schemer is Dan Dare. We all know it. No, he's just going to murder some planets after this. After right. murdering, I mean, Jupiter is full of, of life, and he's murdering it just because some slimogs yeah. have a problem with it. I, like, has he always been into genocide? And the answer is, yeah! Of yeah. course. Yeah, listen, you got to kill these guys. They're coming your way. The Mekon is like a reprieve. Of all of that, because the, the Mekon doesn't actually do genocide, but Dan yeah. Dare does. At least at least Dan isn't killing an entire race of people when he fights the Mekon, Fox. <laughs> well, at least the Mekon isn't destroying an entire race of people. 
He just wants to rule. And hey, speaking of um, unchecked imperialism, Fox. Oh my God, Tommy. <laughs> Sorry, you boys. Let's talk about Thrill 5, Mach 1. That may have been one of the best segues. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about it. Script Robot, Pat Mills, and Nick Al- Allen. Sorry, script robots, Pat Mills and Nick Allen, art robots, Mike Dory, Enyo, and John Cooper, letting robot, Jack Potter, and Bill Nuttall. Remember when Mach 1 used to be him saying to his own brain, stop telling me to not be human, while he... I think just, that's all Mach 1 is, honestly. Well, but then just doesn't be in any way human, and then you lead in with... I think that's all of Mach 1, honestly. And I say, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that. I should say Mach 1, in this period, definitely the top comic in uh, 2000 AD, famously. Well, This is the one that people are buying the comic to read. The bad guys were the racist ones, you know? Or like the the guys guys he was rescuing were like, oh, who gives a fuck about Pepe? This child is an indigenous. Yeah. You know? I mean, it is mostly the case, but like you know, I, I like he is mostly fighting like major, like secret police captains and um and like weird foreign leaders and stuff in this I one, mean, as opposed to posing like posing as communists, as to, like, but quite literally, you know, fascists or Nazis and stuff, as yeah. opposed to. Like, yes, I am an Asian Superman. That's right. I got have powers of chess. I have tigers. Exactly. <laughs> So, okay, man activated by compuncture hyperpower, John Oh, my John God. Probe, <laughs> oh my God. Bursts in meant. on some spies torturing his buddy Carl in Munich, but arrives too Not late as he can, only, he can only hear his friend's dying words that he's been tracking Colonel Cruiser of the SS and his group of, were, of uh, werewolves. <laughs> That's the name of the, of the team. They aren't actually werewolves. You've got to get this gold, and now I'm going to die. Yeah. Also, they're, they're hunting, Nazis. <laughs> They're hunting a sunken Nazi gold shipment in Lake Constance. Oh, watch out for the skull people. I mean, fuck. <laughs> he dies and now it's personal. On the shores of the lake, Probe dives in, rips open the rusted hull of the ship, finding Nazi gold and Nazi skeletons. Oh, wait, no, nah, just- it's just fragments. Just a bunch of skeletons being jostled by some neo-Nazi frogmen. Also, after the gold, fair amount of frogmen this episode. Probe slams one and uses the gold to kill the rest. Just yeah, throwing big bull bars at them underwater. Again, I don't miss the computer saying to me, like, he's really strong. So him throwing the gold underwater is very uh, potent. Like, mm. Yeah. He's the million well, dollar man, I feel like. I mean, a ma- maybe you could imagine a kid not knowing how much a gold, a, I, a big gold bar like that weighed. I mean, I, I feel like I didn't know about it until I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance, where Samuel Jackson carried around a gold bar and like was like, you know, he broke a window with it and stuff. And they really did. He did some oh, really sh- good physical comedy just sh- to make how sure. it, it seem how heavy that bar was. How about this? Metal in a bar is heavy. Nah, come on, you gotta you, you gotta fancy it up a little bit, buddy. Come sure, on, buddy. So, so so gold is heavier than any whatever. I I'm just saying, like my main beef here is that the computer gets in the way a lot. Mm. It's like 
no humor, bitch. Just keep going. And I'm like, why? Why is this box here? I mean, it's yeah. I'd say it's mostly there, honestly, just to give something for John for a probe to sort of talk to and and, and do wisecracks with, basically. Exactly. Except that the computer isn't in on the fun. I'm okay with it. I'd rather have wisecracks than not have wisecracks. That's uh, yeah. I, that's I'd rather fair. have. Have a computer that's weird and wisecracks about it than just sort of narration boxes, I suppose. That seems too yes. dry. Yes. Yes. You know, sort of the sort of the rogue trooper versus Friday kind of differentiation here. <laughs> I, I have to deal with the problem and I'm the best. <laughs> Pro oh, well, so um Yeah, please. So Probe returns to the surface and we see Kreutzer trying to escape on a hydrofoil, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Probe I, well, swims up to it. This was the age of hydrofoils, if I remember. Yeah. He, he rips off one of the foils and then climbs aboard the ship, forcing Kreutzer to give him a dossier about the werewolves before the boat hits the rocks and explodes. Besides, a captain should always go up with the ship. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! All right. Ennio takes over an art, and I should say um, that was Mike Dorian art for the first one. Both these are written by Pat Mills. Oh, Mike Dorian. I miss you, man. Arri- yeah, definitely. Probe arrives in Bolivia, where the president of a British arms company has been taken <laughs> hostage. Probe <laughs> enters like the country. He doesn't believe him until he disables a guard. Yeah. Like he breaks his ribs. Gotta know. Probe enters the country with the help of native guide Pepe and then arrives at the hotel where the Prez, who's named oh, Armstrong, is being held. It mm. it's a, I think it's actually a, a, a peep, just sort of <laughs> how you pronounce <laughs> like meme. he's you made know. of marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> Probe blows up a truck as a diversion, but Armstrong is not convinced the Probe can help him, so he alerts the guard. G- probe kicks the guard uh, 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 kicks out the guard and lowers Armstrong out the window. They prepare to leave the country when they pass a secret police car, and Probe sees that Pepe has been arrested. <laughs> Over Armstrong's objection, Probe he- heads back to save the kid, throwing a motorcycle and ripping the door off the police car. This is this is how you know that um, that British arms dealer is not good because. Very, very first 30 minutes of the movie Tony Stark for this uh, arms dealer here. <laughs> um, but it, it, inside the car. With the motorcycle scene and all. Like, I'm just going to lift a man up on a motorcycle and throw it. I remember That's that. Probe's go-to Tony move. Stark, the that. movie one, Avengers one, Captain America 0.5. Whoa. <laughs> but the goon puts a gun to Pepe's head, so they're all taken prisoner. Thinking fast... Probe has his computer turn off most of his higher hyperpower, and he gets beaten up and taken to a cell. There, he's tied up to some pillars and whipped okay. in the basement. But he turns his hyperpower back on and brings the whole building down, Samson style. Yeah. Go so, ahead. so I have a question for you. All right. How so I'll try long, to make up an answer. How long do you think he had in the dungeon before he decided to crush the pillars? Like, do you think maybe he's into it? He's like, I've been a bad Mach One. Yeah, he gets beaten up and tortured a fair amount. No, but, so I feel but like it he's says definitely... it says like, "Hey, you're not you're not gonna feel it. Nothing like it's it's all good." I'm asking you, Conrad. Do you think he liked it enough to be like, "Let's have this happen a little"? I, I yeah, I think like classic Wonder Woman who got tied up a lot. He just gets into positions where he's shirtless and being <laughs> beaten by dudes a little bit too often for him to not being, be kind of into it. And, and shirtless. 
and being beaten by dudes who, I, I mean, they're not shirtless, but they might as well be, you yeah, know? I said what I said. Uh, I love you. <laughs> I love that so you So he brings the place this. down, brings the place down Samson style, <laughs> Pro grabs the head of the secret police along with Pepe and Armstrong and heads to a helicopter. They'll drop Pepe off at home and head back to England. And the secret police chief gets kicked out a window with a stern warning from Tharg to not jump off things. Like a helicopter, let's say, for example. They just don't – it seems like they're very – Tharg's very worried about kids reading a story about someone jumping off something and then that they will too jump off that thing or I, jump I, off a thing. Because <laughs> there's all these warning messages about it and it doesn't happen for anything else that ever happens in these comics except for when someone jumps off it's, something. It's almost like you think that, that children – would probably have the wherewithal to realize that they're very high up and they no. might not want to jump down, almost as if crossing a street no, <laughs> and fast things coming at them. Like, they're, they're, let like, me they're, like there might not be a reason for the green cross code. Let me, let, let, let me tell you something, Fox, all right? <laughs> I don't have like n neither of us has has kids, but I know kids. All right, I know it because I'm young at heart, and I'll tell you <laughs> the two things that kids love to do: jump out of things and jumping run into the off street. of things and running into the streets. <laughs> That's actually, you know what, Conrad, you're not wrong. So. At the very least, it behooves us as a society <laughs> to occasionally say, "Hey." Maybe don't do that. We do live in a society. Yeah, come on. Anyway, speaking of which, Nick Allen start, is writing the next story. John Cooper's drawing. And oh, come Man, on. Man, don't the you hate it when a lady that you like and you have ties to her family is with a, a complete wimp? And she gets kidnapped. <laughs> oh, no. And he's not going to do anything about it. But hey, you're his friend. Not yeah, really. You're, you're more of like friends with her. Which really just, uh, there's some underpinnings there. Mm, yeah, so uh, Maria, the daughter of a Spanish millionaire, is kidnapped by masked <laughs> jerks. And two days later, <laughs> Probe's there to help out. He interrogates her fiance, Felipe, and finds out that, and, his, and the computer says he's a coward. That's not me saying uh, it. That's yeah, the computer exactly. saying it. And so I've got to, I've got to just oust this guy off of his BMW, whatever the hell. Yeah. Probe goes to make the ransom drop for Maria, but the motorcycle riding kidnapper doesn't have the girl. So Probe thro throttles him, steals his clothes, and heads back to kidnapper HQ. I like, I like that, uh... That uh, uh, motorcycle joke. Got to throttle him. That's right. Listen, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I was actually entirely accidental. Anyway, uh, probe blasts through the main gate, dodges gunfire as the kidnapper leader, Pilar, who's a lady, <laughs> prepares to kill Maria. Probe smashes through the roof of the compound, though, and crumples the motorcycle up in his hands to force Pilar to surrender because she's scared that she'll be crumpled as well. The day is saved, but there's no time for hanky-panky because mock men aren't paid to have feelings. Yeah, no, it's my favorite thing that is said in the entire comic that we read. It's just like, it. it is a one-note item where it's like, I can't pay to feel about this lady, so don't expect her to come back. 
I'm like, that's I, right. That's my, like... my junk my compu power has sadly disabled my compu dick. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Might cut that out. Honestly? If that were the trade-off, would you be a million-dollar man? <sighs> Me? I don't know. I, I like being able to lift a, lift a motorcycle over my F5. So that's the thing is that. that I'd be pretty okay with it. It was smooching ladies or smooching dudes or whatever. Yeah, I just got to do other stuff. Um, so Lift a car. The bottom... The bottom half of this page is a pretty sweet picture of a doomsday tank that looks like a cruise ship combined with a space shuttle. And in this one, I should mention also, this is when Tharg mentions the dictators of Zrag for the first time, which is kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah, because this tank is being apparently used in a battle against those dictators. So whatever. Uh, The the dumb ones that like try to foil him and lose every time. Yeah, these are the ones that are doing that are trying to oppress people. Don't instead feel of fight like you need power. a giant tank for that one, bud. Mm. So John Wagner and John Cooper are 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 doing this this next uh, Mach One story. I believe it's the first work by Wagner in the Prague. Of course, he's more famous for the Dread story in the same one uh, later this issue in Macca, the capital of Turkostan. Oh, John that's right. Probe- this is the one where he drives two two cars. That have yeah. two different steering wheels on either side. One is a British version, and one is just an everywhere else version. Yeah. Oh, you you you're blowing up my spot here. So, yeah. John sorry, Probe is here. He's going after. He he gets run over by a half track because he's in the middle of a civil war. He's here to find Professor Nils Nansen. If he doesn't, he could start World War III. Um, and from the Agoon, he learns that the professor is being kept in the vaults beneath a mosque and starts punching dudes as the computer drops exposition that N- Nansen could build a homemade uh, H-bomb that could debalance the world. Whoops. Yeah. He Just sneaks into the mosque. Yeah. He sneaks into the into the mosque, kills guards, and knocks out Nansen when he's unwilling to come quietly. But the military's alerted, and Probe is staring down three tanks. And here we go, box two jeeps. Man, <laughs> let me tell you what does not phase the front of a tank is literally a jeep exploding in front of you. Yeah, no, he like he basically so he's driving these two jeeps, and like you said, Fox, it seems like we got a British and a uh, le- like a right and left hand steering jeep here. Like they they uh, uh, Turk O Stan has basically just bought from a bunch of different providers, so they got various. I, kinds I mean, of vehicles you know here. the one he's not going to throw into people, which is the one that has his hostage in it. Yeah, but so he he basically sends one jeep flying into one of the tanks to distract it. Oh, no, 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 sorry. He sends one of the Jeeps crashing into a pillar, like, in this underground structure they're in, which knocks the roof down and buries the tanks in rubble, which manages to free uh, Probe. He drives off into the sunset as his onboard computer tells him that with his speed, strength, and mental computer power, he's not really human anymore. Uh, I mean, same comic, different day. <laughs> yeah, it's bit basic stuff. So Pat Mills and Ennio come to finish us up as John Probe is parachuting into the Armenian mountains on the trail of Eastern spy master Igor Kuvsky. I'm going to get this Kuvsky boy. Yeah, he's on the run after killing several uh, 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 Western agents. Probe lands right behind him, but Kuvsky knows that uh, Probe has to bring him back alive. But when Probe then just sort of bends the barrel of Kuski's pistol, He's he agrees like, oh, to uh, come with him. Bro, all right, I'll yeah. go with you. 
But he said, but Igor Kuvsky says he hurt his leg on the hike and asks to rest. But that turns out to be a ruse to allow an Eastern jet copter to arrive. Man, let me tell you what a diamond pickaxe does with a Machaman and your neck. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Probe runs it, hides in the hills, proceeds to Batman, these various goons, you know, take them out one at a time, basically. And then takes out the jet copter, like you say, by throwing an ice pick through the windshield and killing the pilot. I just, like, after you see a man bend a gun, are you like, hey, guys, it's fine. Bring the copter around. Yeah, he's only one man, Fox. So do you know why (laughs) they have have two pilots in in uh, like any sort of aircraft? Because if one of them just, like, fucking dies for any reason... The other one can compensate? Nah, nah that, I, no, that second pilot I, I know, was too I, shocked by the death of his friend to absolutely, maintain control absolutely, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the helicopter. I would be fucking absolutely shocked if a man on the ground threw a pickaxe that then punctured the glass in front yeah. of my co-pilot and then like just right through his neck and it's just like, oh, he's dead now. Like, what can you do and how can you react? Yeah, so we got to go. This guy's too awesome. That guy bent a gun before. <laughs> he bent the barrel of a gun with his hands. Yeah, definitely. They should have known about that. <laughs> nah. So the jet copter's taken out, but in the confusion, Kuvsky has escaped. So Probe grabs some skis that were lying around, apparently, and uh-huh. it's time for snow fight. I was, I was fairly excited. I thought this was going to be the one where... With the with the fence, I know that's, no, that's much later. That's invasion. That's not uh, Mach One. I know, I know, but I was so excited. Me too. I was I was hopeful, but no. Um, so Kowalski, uh shoots Probe, which causes an avalanche. But Probe's a skilled enough skier because of hyperpower to ride the avalanche. <laughs> um, <laughs> Igor then tries to kill himself by popping a grenade, but Probe gets there in time and tosses it away. And Kuvsky is going to prison back in London. Oh, Probe's yeah. handler Sharp is, and another suit talk about how the mission went well and that and how Probe now has so much energy that even though he's off duty, he's just running 90 mile an hour laps outside well, the spy the, base just to blow off some steam. The scientist is like, bro, like this isn't good for a human and a secrets man. Uh, yeah, Sharp says I'm in, I'm only interested in results. I don't care about John Probe's personal life. All I care about is results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like th- this guy. He's like we're giving him injections and all this stuff, and he's just got too much energy, and he's probably gonna go insane. He's like, yeah, I don't care. It's the Mockman, yeah. secret agent, etc. All I'm thinking it's to myself fine. is, like, why would you hire a scientist to give you this information to, like, give you the deets if you were just I mean, going to say, like, go fuck yourself? I mean, I think he gets off. Also, he's also um, is enjoying saying that he's just going to run probe into the ground. You know, that's sort of that that's, he's doing it for the thrill as well. Man, he's just like, I'm just really into making people super people and then killing them. <laughs> That's right. And speaking of complex transplant regimes, Fox. Oh, my God. And you're on it. Replacing people with robots. Let's talk about Thrill Six Judge Dredd. Um, such a different world that we're in right now for JD. 
Absolutely, yes. So script robots, Malcolm Shaw and John Wagner, art robots, Mike McMahon, Massimo Bello, Janelli, Ron Turner, and Carlos Escara, letting robots, Tony Jacob and John Aldrich. So Malcolm Shaw and Mike McMahon start us off as Frankenstein 2 oh, is running rampant through got the a city. Backhand fisted dude out of the way. Kidnapping people and using them for transplant surgery on the rich makes regular Frankenstein look like a jelly baby. <laughs> which, is a, which is a gummy bear. Yeah. In American. I gotcha. Dread could have stopped him, but instead he's using just department surveillance systems to track Frankenstein 2 to take out the whole operation. You know, he never smiles because it's tough upholding the law. The cameras find Frankenstein 2's base and Dread rolls in, bike cannons firing. Frankenstein 2 tries to blind Dread with an overhead light, but it's no match for his anti-dazzle visor, Fox. <laughs> Frankenstein 2 is arrested, as is his patient, for receiving stolen goods in the forms of his new guts. I feel like anti... Uh, anyway. Anti-dazzle visor. I, I wish they would bring that back up. Yeah, where someone just shines a flashlight and treads eyes. He's, and he's like, like, no, I've got I don't a, care I've got a visor got for that, sunglasses jerk. On. That's right. Uh, is, is an anti-dazzle visor just sunglasses? It's like sunglasses built into your helmet. <laughs> That's what it is. Please continue. This is supposed to wearing sunglasses underneath your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Fox, Fox, the Statue of Judgment has been unveiled. It's only it's slightly really large. It's actually, I think it's really small at this point, actually, well, in comparison. It gets, it gets bigger. No, I know, because they have it right because, next to the Statue of Liberty, but yeah. later it dwarfs the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, because like right now it's sort of a little taller than the Statue of Liberty, but in, we saw a recent uh, end of the year cover at the end of 1991 it's, where the Statue of Liberty barely came up to its knee. You know? Yeah, no, it's huge. <laughs> Anyway, there's tours and everything. You can go up and look out the eyes of the Statue of Judgment and stuff. But <laughs> suddenly, yeah. But there's a big. Um, Does it have an anti-dazzle waiting to get into it? it? Probably. I mean, well, no, actually, no. Canonically, there isn't because you'll recall that um, the final showdown with Judge Cal takes place in the head of the Statue of Judgment and he goes flying out the side and there was no glass to stop him there, Fox. Oh, my God. So it does not have a visor or like I, a glass on those window panes. I love your continuity. Oh, no. Sorry, spoil spoilers for Judge Cal, everybody. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, we're from the future. It's like 30 episodes from now. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you'll forget. Whatever. Anyway, so the, some criminals are mugging people in the lineup for the statue, statue of Judgment tour. Fox, Punching and that's not him, cool. man. Shooting at him. Yeah. Judge Dredd's on the scene. These crooks aren't worried until he actually starts shooting. Then most of the got bad guys surrender, except for one Re Ringo who steals a hover taxi and flies good. off. Not a smart move. Yeah, Dread hands the surrendered criminals off to some other policemen. Actually, several times this episode, we'll see sort of non-judge policemen in uh, Mega City One. But yeah, these, this sort of all gets all gets retconned out but, later. Yeah, because at the time, judges were different than police. Yeah, there was an idea. It's it seems well. I mean, you know, again, there's nothing like saying this, but it seems like there's regular yes. policemen, and then the judges are sort of an elite. It's force kind of or like saying like you can have. A mayor that's an orangutan, but what is a mayor in Mega City One? 
I think it's a ceremonial position, which is why Dave the orangutan was such a great mayor. Um, Hashtag remember Dave. R.I.P. Um, but so Dredd then pulls a law rifle from his bike. And as Ringo flies around raining bullets and everyone, calm and dignified, Dredd aims on, aims on Ringo. You're fires done. a single shot, destroys the air taxi, sends Ringo flying to be impaled on one of the spikes of Lady Liberty's crown. Bro, you're done. Listen, Fox. No one can take liberties with the law. <laughs> Listen, that's some classic stuff right there. Oh, it's so beautiful. I it, it's oh. because he he put on his sunglasses at the end of every episode. Sorry, Always his anti-dazzling wears. fucking helmet, whatever. Yeah. So Massimo Bellardinelli is drawing this next dread. It's the only time he's ever drawn dread, actually, which is kind of interesting. Oh. In the future, Fox, even regular crappy things are very valuable, like this old Morris Minor uh, car. I looked it up vaguely, and um, I guess um, while in our world this thing's a, a, a heap, in Mega City 1 it's worth 500,000 credits. And some quick Googling told me that a Morris, a show-quality Morris Minor 2 is worth about 12,000 uh, 12, pounds. But that's right. in like top, tip, tip-top condition. Okay. A criminal shoots a dude and steals his car and dreads on the case. And I should say, if you look at this one and then sort of Ascara's initial dread story, you can see Bellinelli's borrowing pretty heavily as he sort of draws this story. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you it's can fine. Still I'm, see not, some I'm, not, I'm just sort of uh, uh, pointing out some similarities here. I'm not trying to no, call fine. No, no, anyone. of course. I, I think he's got the. I, I would say that he has the judge uniform down pat. It's tough just because the uniform changes so much from nat- from oh, this yeah. period oh, yeah. even to like the cursed earth. You know, we're still figuring out exactly what this uniform looks like, I think. Um, so Dreads, yeah, so he follows the car with his lights off using only the infrared helmet visor. Uh, Whoa, it's got multiple <laughs> visor abilities. This leads to, Krell- to Krill's Auto Market where the crook sells the car off as Dread blows open the front door with his lawgiver. But before he can arrest the men, Fox, they hit him in the face with a plastic squirt gun, gumming up (laughs) his visor. Don't goo my visor, bro. He's forced to take off his helmet, revealing a face so horribly scarred that it stuns the baddies and Dred's able to take... To take him out. Oh, my God. He's so hideous. Just and, kill him. And then he wipes the goop off of his helmet, apparently. Yeah, like, you got to put the helmet back on. It's just simple safety. Uh-huh. Only Krills himself escapes, thinking he's managed to get away by standing on a high-speed motorized <laughs> sidewalk. But Dredd just has the city reverse the sidewalk's flow. Yeah. And then he's no, dragged you're back just gonna, the man. He basically does it get over here, Scorpion style. Yeah, sort of Scorpion times Jetsons, essentially. Oh, yeah! Because yeah, yeah, of the walkways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next up, the king arrives in his castle as it's the first John Wagner Judge Dredd in the Prague. He, of course, wrote the original Judge Dredd, but that wasn't actually published, so whatever. Um, anyway, at the Robot of the Year show, Fox, a human forces a robot named George to walk into some flames, despite the fact that it clearly has feelings and emotions and can feel pain. It does not Man, want to that's, die. That's but instead follows those orders and dies, crying metal tears to the amusement uh, of passing humans. Uh. 
This robot show goes on as judges Dredd and Diablo look on. Dredd's disapproving because he hates robots. Hating robots and especially human-like robots is the bedrock of Judge Dredd's character. Bad news. Don't like them having human feelings. Yeah. They're waiting for a maniac to arrive because he's threatened the show. I mean, he does. They didn't pay the ransom. Um, and when they do, when he does, it turns out that he's there flying around in a robot wheelchair, past a display for a heavy metal kid, more on that later. But the wheelchair has a bulletproof dome, Fox. It's a Pope mobile wheelchair, basically. <laughs> the chair pumps out poison Myclon gas and Not Judge Myclon Diablo. Gas. That's the worst kind of gas, I guess. And Judge Diablo <laughs> isn't fast enough to pull down the shield on his helmet that turns the helmet into a respirator in time. Yeah, got to use so that anti-gas shield. Yep. Uh, Dread blows a hole in the roof to let the gas escape, but hundreds of innocents have already died because of it. Luckily, he's found the, a blanket from the that the lawbreaker dropped, I guess, from like his wheelchair. He gives it to a very handy police bloodhound robot standing nearby that we'll never see again. And then he rides it like a horse because it's also a hover (laughs) robot. That's right. To catch the killer and blast him off the side of an an overpass. We've learned that robots can both help humans break and enforce the law. But what if the robots themselves are the lawbreakers? We'll find out soon. I guess you just blow them up. That's what you've been doing. Yeah, and then also, this story has a tiny a Tharg robot. apologizing. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Fox. I, I don't trust a, a, a coffee slash drink dispensing robot named Walter. Come on. This story has a tiny Tharg apologizing for not having a nerve center this week. And you can take a quiz to join the Stamp Club. Great. <laughs> so... The classic team of John Wagner and Carlos Scare arrive as a robot named Call Me Kenneth is running amok. Call me Kenneth. A police, not judge, hover car tries to shoot it, but CMK throws a hunk of wood at it because it's a carpenter bot. Meanwhile, some judges are finishing lunch at their judge lunchroom, enjoying drinks served by a robot named Walter. Fuck! As Dredd is pissed at the idea of robots having feelings and emotions now. Uh, Dredd gets the call to deal with Call Me Kenneth, who's one of these new think-and-feeling robots. It's a lethal killer, but Dredd's gotta take gotta take it down. We see a pretty funny image of just the, of just call me Kenneth trying to shove a robot into a garbage can, basically. <laughs> and the human's like, "Come on, man, this isn't cool. Like, why don't you just relax and not be so crazy?" And call me Kenneth's like, "No, nope. death to fleshy ones. Now I'm gonna Get put in this you can. inside of this fucking thing." <laughs> um. Anyway, Dredd shows up, says, "Surrender, and I'll go easy on Stop you." But being call a me Hitler. Kenneth. Yeah, that's not till later. Also, call me Kenneth will not obey the fleshy one. So Dredd shoots it in the face with high explosives. However, Fox. The brain of a robot is not in its head, but in its gut. Yeah, unlike dumb humans, he doesn't keep his brain in his head. That's stupid. And instead shoots nails at Dredd, pinning him to the wall. He then pulls a chainsaw sword out. As Dread laments that why can't we just keep there being nice, simple robots like Walter? You'll eat those words, buddy. Mm. Um, Dread manages to rip free just in time, avoiding the robot because it seems like its sensors were in its head. So Dread's able to kind of like move around and yeah, get Kenneth to, to cut chainsaw. his own belly open 
and then shoot a power cable free and electrocute it, seemingly destroying the uh, mad, uh, the reprobate robot. I don't know. It was, I the thought that was good. Angry android. Yeah, it was pretty solid. Right, anyway, call me Canvas down. Great. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, what did you just say, Fox? I missed it. I like the, the retrobate robot is a great way to say it. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> anyway, Dread knows the truth, though, and that's that we're on the verge of full-scale war with the robots, and indeed, that war will begin next episode. And at the bottom of this page, Tharg uh, gives you some background on himself as an editor, and you can get a complete stamp collector's outfit. Oh, uh, whatever. Stamps. I don't care about stamps. <laughs> I care so much. But you know what else I care about, Fox? What, what do you care about? Uh, well, you know what, Conrad? Please tell me. Yeah. I care about what your top and bottom thrills are for this uh, frog six through ten. All right. So I'm going to tell you. I, I think want- I I know last time we both hated Dan Dare, and then I think uh, gave tops to Invasion, I believe. I, I forget exactly uh, so what our tops were. Here's the thing. I would love to give it to Harlem Heroes. It's not there yet, but it's it it's like it's at the it, it's like a crumb away from where Harlem Heroes starts getting real wacky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to give it to Harlem Heroes, so that's why I'm mentioning it now. It's not there. Um, it's also not Judge Shred. It's fine. Judge Shred is honestly uh, Mach One is my bottom mm. because eh, like it, it's it's this Mach One neither excites me nor insults me. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense, um, yeah, I think so. And and Judge Shred is. Good, but this is like our first iteration of Call Me Kenneth. Again, great art. Love going through this. So what do we really have to talk about here, Conrad? For our top, we have to talk about flesh and we have to talk about invasion. Mm. Invasion is, I mean, it's great. We're talking everybody is wrong except for Bill Savage territory. (laughs) Except for one thing. A Tyrannosaurus Rex does not eat a child. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't. And that is a mark against it. And flesh. Every single bead of flesh was like, here's a monster and how it kills somebody. Here's a monster, how it kills somebody. Here's a monster and how it kills somebody. Also, it eats a child. Next episode. Hey, remember when we ate that child? <laughs> I... I and I I feel horrible because I'm putting flesh on this pedestal. It's just that flesh doesn't seem to care. Like Claw Carver is a shitbag, horrible person that you don't want on the USS USS Enterprise, but they're they're on the USS Survival, and Claw Carver is throwing people into the river. It's pretty good. I Regan is literally like, and and Joe background characters, but. God damn, like, it, it's just so good. Like, this is this is primo flesh, and it's primo flesh building up to when you and I finally do episode three again, and we're mm-hmm. looking at Killdozer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once we get to that, that, that uh, trans time base, I feel like <laughs> that's when things get real. I mean, obviously things are always crazy with flesh, but that's when they get real, real crazy, but definitely. That's, but all of this is building to that, and you don't know it yet. But it's still good. Like, everybody's horrible, 
Regan is technically the good guy, but you're like, oh, fucking Regan. Everywhere, like, Regan is the harbinger of old One-Eye. <laughs> yeah. Right? So anywhere that he goes, it's bad news. Whereas with Bill Savage, which is a close fucking second for me, I love reading Invasion. Mm-hmm. It's never bad. And so I get these first two punctuation marks. It's uh, like the whole comic throughout. Great. He, uh, like including the biogs. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to say, Flesh Top, uh, what did I put bottom? Fucking Mach 1. Mach 1. Yeah. Because Mach 1's just like, it's nothing. It's a wet fart in comparison to how how much I feel it uh, later <laughs> and later in both ways, like good and bad. Conrad. Mm. Sorry, it's just I'm so excited to read all of these old things. I need to know yeah. where you lie because I'm not sure that this that solidarity is happening here. There's too much good and, and enjoyable. What are your top and bottom thrills, bud? There's definitely a ton of ju- of things that I'm incredibly like nostalgic for that um, really bring me back to this period in the early days of this podcast and stuff like that are just real fun. Um for my bottom, I'll I'll happily join you with Mach One. Yeah. I think, um, you know, back in the day, I think we were we were pretty um, not impressed by the uh, crazy action hero stylings of Dan Dare, but I've I've turned the corner on that. I oh think. man, um, yeah, oh, absolutely, especially whereas, with Bellardinelli. Uh, yeah, I mean, one, I think, yeah, I think we definitely come to have a really great um, appreciation for for Bellardinelli's art. And then also, like, just the, the the fact that Dan Dare is this gung-ho action hero, it's less, like, from what I know, like, it just makes it seem more funny and, like, yeah, like, <laughs> this guy is a, ridiculous. A as opposed to murderer? <laughs> yeah, like, like, the fact that he is, that he does, like, kill everybody and not ask questions is now that's part of the joke as opposed to something that I'm annoyed by with Dan Dare, I guess. Yeah. Whereas... Like Mach One, I, I I agree. I think in comparison to so ma- so much of the stuff in the Prague here, just feels very bland, and it's just sort of spy stuff, like like you could get anywhere almost with some like spy stuff slash superhero superhero stuff, I guess. Mm. And it's just you know like that's kind of dime a dozen almost. So yeah, I'll I don't think it's really that I don't I don't think it's super bad, but definitely happy to put. Mach one in the bottom for my top. Um, it's hard, I, right? There's a lot of yeah. good going on here. I mean, I really love these iconic moments in uh, Harlem Heroes. The introduction of Artie Gruber's oh, yeah. really important thing oh, for that yeah. character, or and and for that story. Um, I really love this flesh stuff. That like that kid on that train <laughs> is definitely something that <laughs> we've been, we've remembered ever since. You know. Um, and um, I I really like the space and like again I feel like I'm noticing the art in Dan Dare for the first time like or that I never really noticed it the the previous times it, that yes. we that we we read this story psychedelic um, but, I, but fun and oh God so insane yeah and then these early days dreads are pretty fun as well oh I'm but hearing in invasion end, I'm hearing invasion. I gotta. I gotta give it to Invasion, Fox. You shoot um, a helicopter that blows up on another helicopter. 
Yeah, I mean, I love um, I love these stories, and these these specifically are the stories that you and me have talked about for years and years, just sort of remembering all these crazy uh, um, Bill Savage a- antics, you know, it, what's so burning down classic. this city or the tr- the trapping the general on the train tracks <laughs> with the train. <laughs> um, the spider troops, especially. I remember those oh, ones really well. The, uh, definitely the stuff with the cold fusion plane <laughs> and my, my son that loved planes and things like that. These are, are classic moments, and I can't not give them top throw just because they've stuck with us and been so much fun ever since, you know. He, he used to be Mad Dog, but now we're Mad Love. Exactly. Uh, whatever. Got Taylor Swift in here. Anyway, Fox. Getting Swift. There we go. I, you know, Conrad, I, I, I was before sorry that I, I, uh, I contacted a scientist to send us back through time by slipping him a fiver and saying like, hey, let's, let's go back into the past. But I'll be <laughs> honest, our trip into the past has so far been pretty great i've enjoyed it uh and i think that our reevaluation uh has the power of hindsight so uh yeah definitely not too bad yeah i really like looking back on these old comics it's just a, like i don't i don't think i'd want to do it all the time but i think especially just once a year is a really good chance just to kind of like think about this dang old thrill power and stuff it's a beautiful kind thing. of Remember these classic stories that got us into it and stuff like that. Definitely. <sighs> I miss Bill Savage. You know, if we keep going, he'll come back. You know, I'm excited. In like the uh, in in the 1300s, that's where he's that, that, that's where he lives. Don't say the number. <laughs> it is a while. Yes. Anyway. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Don't listen to that past Conrad when he gives you the wrong website. <laughs> Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 forums, or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k for everything else. Just look up Space Spinner 2000. You'll find us there. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, why not? This show... And I should say big innovation. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. Thank you very you'd much. Like to, yeah, and if you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And, you know, if you get a chance, if you want to rate and review this show, we would appreciate your five stars. Then, come back next time as Bill Savage meets the Brigadier. The spiders come to flesh. The heroes (laughs) head to Scotland. An old enemy returns in Dan Dare. Mach 1 gets kind of regrettable. And the (laughs) robot revolution is underway in Judge Dredd. More Hitler. Can you believe it? I think this is the one where Call Me Kenneth says that he's a big fan of Adolf Hitler. I'm yeah, pretty no, sure it's, it's this not, one. It's not the last time in this comic book. Listen, you gotta, you, you, you gotta let the people know. And until then, as we return to the present, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Get me out Splendid of the past. For three. <laughs>